Welcome to your area. Today I have John Kenny Hertz with Kenny Hertz Perry, which is a law firm. Don't shut off the iPod mm. or iPod, the, the podcast. You know, automatically people think if I'm going to interview an attorney, we're going to talk about the law. Yeah, and, or it's going to be really boring. Or it's going to be really boring. Yeah. So um, that's not the case. We're going to talk about trademarking, branding. We're going to talk a little bit about real estate. Uh, we're going to talk about marijuana. Mm. Um, not the, necessarily the smoking of marijuana, but the business of marijuana in Missouri. Um and what's going on with that. If we have time, we're going to talk a little bit about PPP loans um, and a little about retail. I don't want to talk about the death of retail. I want to talk about kind of what you see. The adaptation. The adaptation, the innovation that's yeah. going on right now because you represent a number of, of tenants uh, that um, are doing well and uh, some that, that are struggling. So we'll get into that. But I want to start first with trademarking. Because it's near and near to my heart because uh, when we uh, purchased the company and rebranded, I hired a, a large law firm to help me with the trademarking of the name Area. And Area is, is a common name, so it's, it's, it's complicated to get, get a trademark under that. Well, three years later, nothing happened, and uh, I engaged your firm to help us with that. And specifically, you had uh, um, Arthur Schenken, uh, who's your IP lawyer. Uh, help us with that. Um, and actually, within a week, he had um, made contact with the company that was blocking our trademark. Uh, and then within actually a month, he had our trademark for Kansas and Missouri and, and recommended that let's let's take the long view on the global trademark. Uh, and so now we're trademarked. And uh, so it was it was a great experience. And uh, you know, you've done some really creative things uh, for clients in that area. Um, and uh, I don't know what you can talk about on that level, but we've had some some really interesting conversations about different clients such as Charlie Hustle and and others that, that you've made this happen for. Yeah, so uh, Arthur came to – well, I actually met Arthur, believe it or not, in a yoga class. Uh, Arthur was – was it hot yoga? Or? <laughs> yeah, it was pretty hot. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was um, a few years back, probably like seven or eight years back. <clears throat> Arthur was a, uh, he was general counsel for Sprint under Bill Esri for 15 years, 14, 15 years, something like that. Uh, and he is one of the smartest attorneys I've ever worked with. Um, you know, a lot of attorneys will look at something the way they see it rather than other ways it can be seen or, or kind of afraid to get creative. I don't think creative is a word you usually use when you're talking about your lawyer. <laughs> um, but Arthur's like just the opposite. I mean, he is incredibly creative and thoughtful. And I think you saw the benefit from that, which is, you know, for our clients, it, 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 I can't, there's so many examples I have. Yours is a great one, obviously, because we're sitting here talking about it, which is normally when you go out to trademark something or protect it, a name, uh, a mark, you go out and, and you, you try to protect it through the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. And what we've started to do for a lot of our clients that are operating in a certain um, geographical area of Kansas, Missouri, um, or any other state for that matter, you can get state 
trademark protection, which is what we did for you, uh, an area. And for the purposes of what you're using it for, what you want to protect, I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we've, we've, uh, we've tried to approach situations like that from a different angle, and it's worked. I mean, Charlie Hustle is a great example of um, some difficult kind of um, creative things that they've done that have pulled from the past. You know, a lot of their uh, designs or, you know, the KC Hart, for instance, which we can talk more specifically about have, uh, you know, ties to things that existed previously. That makes it more difficult. So uh, so we've had to get creative in the same way with them. You know, and I think um, when somebody's gone through a branding exercise, they hire a branding company, and right. they're, they're really focused on the visual, the graphic of it, right. and, or the name. And... You know, more often than not, these branding companies aren't concerned about whether you can get the URL, um, whether you can get it copyrighted or trademarked. Um, and so generally speaking, somebody that's going to rebrand or create a brand does not initially go to their attorney. Correct. Um, and before you lock into something you absolutely love, um, you really should contact an IP attorney first and talk about the direction you're going to go. A hundred percent. And I don't want to say, look, I wouldn't say that I've dealt with a ton of branding companies, but I have dealt with them. Uh, And in my experience, they're not focused on that at all, which is mind blowing to me. Nor do they want, nor nor, even if you talk to them, they don't want to talk about it. Right. It's not what they do. It's not what they do. And, but, but, you know, I, I also run a business like you do. And it's not that I can just, I can't just thumb my nose at accounting, right? I don't do that, but you go get somebody that does. Right. And so, um, yeah, it's one of those things where, especially with entrepreneurs that are uh, usually very emotional and passionate, they get their mindset on something like you did where you say, okay, this is the design we want. This is the name we want. Everybody's bought in. Let's go for it. Oh, and by the way, we should maybe check and make sure that we can do that. But by that time, you're already so far down the road, it it's makes a, it really difficult to pull back. It's exactly what happened to us. So I had a committee of different people within the company. Uh, we hired a, a, a really great branding uh, company. And after heated discussion over, you know, two weeks, we locked into something. Right. And then we said, oh, yeah, you know, what about the website? What about the URL? We found that Aerie was owned by some person in Sunnyvale, California that was doing something weird right. and would not respond to us. But we were able to get open area. Right. Um, yeah, you know, uh, my first real brush with trademark or, or uh, with any sort of IP, when we're talking trademarks, copyrights, and patents, you're talking intellectual property. And my first encounter was after I was practicing, I so graduated law school, I was practicing law, and I was doing insurance defense, which was mind numbing <laughs> and uh, it was like Groundhog Day and uh, so I get a let I, at the time this was a long time ago I started buying up domain names and I bought up a few that included John Kenny Hertz Kenny Hertz Law Kenny Hertz Law Firm because I thought at some point maybe that was gonna happen 
And so I was at uh, lunch one day and I get an email with a letter attached and the letter is from an attorney in California that represents Hertz Rent-A-Car, H-E-R-T-Z. My name is Kenny Hertz, K-E-N-N-Y-H-E-R-T-Z. And it said, uh, we're, we're, you must cease and desist from, from advertising for rental cars on <laughs> johnnykennyhertz.com. <laughs> and of course, I thought this was hilarious. Uh, but, you know, as a lawyer, I thought, well, I didn't know that I was advertising, first of all. So what's going on? So I go, look, and Google will park ads on domains that are unused that you're hosting with them. Or uh, GoDaddy, sorry. Yeah. And so they said, you, can, you need to contact GoDaddy and tell them to take down the ads. And my response was, well, I'm not going to contact them because I don't care. <laughs> and, so, and, and I said, but if you want to buy every variation of my name, of the, the domains that I own with my name in it, that also have your name in it, I'll sell them all to you for $20,000. And I never heard from them. <laughs> that was it. That's crazy. <laughs> Let's talk about marijuana. So the, marijuana was a big deal. A um, lot of talk about Still it. Still is. Still is uh, in Missouri. Um, it had an impact on real estate. Right. Uh, it really yeah. pushed certain – because these can't go just anywhere. They can't be across from a school. They can't be near a church. Um, and so there are very, very specific areas that they were kind of funneled into. And there were a lot of people uh, competing for real estate, putting big money down to control it. Um, and it pushed, you know, uh, some of the prices of, of real estate way up because there, w there just wasn't enough, uh, to satisfy all the, the people that were applying for it. Um, but then, you know, we haven't heard much about what's going on. And you, you, occasionally we, we see some articles in the newspaper about some controversies on, on how the selection process went. Right. Um, bring us up to date on that. Sure. So... It was passed as an amendment to the Constitution for Missouri, which is a little um, a little different than had been done in, in some other states. Not necessarily good or bad, uh, but it had some unique elements of uh, uh, that were required in an effort to to kind of, I guess, narrow down the people that were going going to apply or the people that were able to meet those criteria to get a license. So once once we kind of got clear on what those license what the what the license applications were going to, going to look like, we frankly put out a few blog posts and said, you know, hey, we're we're willing to take on medical marijuana clients and uh, didn't really know what we were going to get back and we got a flood of of interest. Now, some of that we had really had to sift through and we got some really good clients that are still clients uh, out of the deal. But what happened was, to your point on the real estate, was that in order to submit a license application for a certain type of license, and there were three, cultivation, manufacturing, and dispensary, you had to have an address for whichever one of those licenses and, and you were going to apply for, or all of them. And so there was incredible competition for the licenses, but also for the real estate. And it created some really interesting arrangements in which there were option agreements to buy, there were short-term leases, uh, 
you know, where somebody would say, I want to, I'll enter into an agreement to lease this property really specifically just to get, put the address on a license application. And if I get the license, then we'll enter into this lease. And so where we're at now um, is we're in a, in a, in a, in a time period where there are a ton of appeals that were filed because the licensing authority uh, is the Department of Health and Senior Services. And they hired a third-party company that was made up of two separate companies to score these applications. And in doing so, there were countless inconsistencies. And so we, uh, some of our clients got licenses and the majority did not. And so we ended up filing, uh, I think we filed almost 40 appeals. 40 appeals meaning appeal, maybe for one client we filed five or 10, right? Um, for each of the licenses that they were denied. And so that's kind of where, where we're at um, in, the, in the process. But at the same time, the people that got, the companies that got licenses uh, are moving forward and they've got to be operational by a certain date because that's what they put in the license. So when is the first medical marijuana store going to well, open? Honestly, I don't, I don't know the answer to that, but I was driving here and I think just two blocks away, I saw a sign for a dispensary coming soon. Hmm. So I think that um, we'll probably start to see dispensary. Now, granted, you can't open a dispensary unless you have product, right? So, the you know, seeds went into the ground in some cases a few months ago. Uh, and so we may start seeing some product sold out of these dispensaries maybe beginning of next year. Interesting. Let's talk about retail. So um, retail's been hard hit. Everybody knows oh, that. Oh, man, yeah. Uh, you've got a number of retail clients. Um that you've been working with and helping and um, working with their landlords to find, you know, accommodations. Right. Um, tell us what you're seeing out there. Um, well, we talk about retail and uh, and restaurants, I yeah. think. And they're somewhat the same, a lot of similar situations, and, of course, a little bit different. Uh, retail, so when orders started coming out, shutting down, businesses really shutting down, you know, cities all across the United States. Um, obviously, if you have a retail business open to the public and now you're shut down, but you still have to pay rent, that's a problem. Um, but if you're a landlord, it's equally a, a, a problem. I mean, it's, it's maybe even a bigger problem, right? Because you've got not just, you know, as a, as a, as a um, retail business with a lease, that's one issue. But if you're a landlord and you've got 10 retail businesses and a piece of property that you've got a, a note on and you got to pay the bank and now they're all saying, I'm not going to pay yeah. rent. Uh, so I don't know that we've really seen the, the full effect of what is going to happen. Um, but what we did see on more of a micro level was um, a lot of pushback from landlords to do anything other than expect you to pay your full rent. Um, you know, dealing with groups like uh, Taubman and Maserich on the plaza, really difficult. Um, they put out a letter. It was published in the Kansas City Star, I think, that, or maybe the Business Journal. 
that just said they expected all their tenants to abide by the terms of their lease or leases. So, um, you know, we've got a number of clients on the plaza and we have at least our firms had a great relationship with uh, with with the, the folks at Maysearch and Topman. And it's just difficult. Nobody can really make a decision to um, to simply say, OK, don't pay your rent while you can't be open to the public. Right. Um, it just cascades. I mean, it cascades. And, and, you know, and, you know, the big mean landlord has to pay his mortgagee. Right. Or his mortgage, and, and we so get that, they, and and so, but everybody's everybody's in the same boat, right? So then, the, so the then, lender, the landlord, the tenant, right? Uh, they're all in a world of hurt right now, right? So then, the the real problem for the landlord becomes, well, what am I going to try to kick you know businesses out because they aren't paying their rent and end up with a completely empty shopping center that all of a sudden. Is, you know, I, I can't get, I mean, people aren't signing new leases like they were six months ago. So attitudes have changed over time. Initially it was pay your rent. And then it was, wow, this is going to last a while. How am I going to replace that great tenant? Exactly. Why, why would I kick that person out yeah. when things are going to get better and it's going to cost me a lot more to replace that tenant? I may not get the better, the, the best tenant. Correct possible for that space. I right. think that's, you know, it's interesting as you look around town, the the shopping centers that have done well through this. And uh, First Washington, for instance, they mm -hmm. own Prairie Village, Corinth, Fairway, and Brookside. Right. And just by, and part of their, their uh, kind of their thesis has always been infill shopping centers that are a part of communities that have, just happen to have all the essentials. Hardware store, grocery store. Right. Good restaurants that you know, with good operators that pivoted towards a carryout, and drugstores. Right. And so, they've done incredibly well in terms of servicing their constituents that live around their centers. Um, but going forward, that you know, th those types of retail, you know, conglomerations of tenants of essentials, I think will will indicate a lot higher value in the marketplace. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. It's it's um, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens to not only you know rental rates, but what happens to these these big companies or REITs that own the shopping centers and how they they react. Not just to what I think to be the first wave uh, of this, but I think what happens the second wave or w whatever the new normal looks like yeah. moving forward. Yeah. How do you finance a piece of property that has cancellations? You know, because right. moving forward, big tenants are not going to sign leases unless they have a right to terminate in the event of another global pandemic. Right. You know, it's just, well, I mean, uh, cheesecake factory put out a pretty public letter saying we're just not going to pay rent at any of our locations while we're shut down. And then you get into, you know, force majeure clauses and does this fall within that? Plenty of arguments, I think, on either side. Um, force majeure meaning, you know, like an act of God, right. like a, a, a hurricane or a flood or something along those lines. Does this fall under that? And there's little guidance there. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's going to definitely, definitely things are going to change. And, and uh, I think from the insurance perspective, things are going to change similarly. Everybody's going to be asking for some some sort of, uh, you know, on the business interruption side, people are going to pay more attention to whether or not that includes virus or pandemic yeah. now. It's yeah. crazy. Um, 
PPP loans, you know, it, I'm almost sick and tired of listening yeah, to same. it. But, um, you know, if somebody's taking PP, any advice? Uh, well, disclaimer, I'm not giving any legal advice. Right okay. Now. <laughs> no advice. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, you know, it, it, we did a – so lawyers and accountants could act as agents – under the uh, CARES Act, which was like 1,300 pages long. And one of my attorneys just happened to find a footnote that said agents can also be paid to assist their clients with these loans, but they're paid as a percentage of what the bank gets from the SBA for the origination. So we helped quite a few clients secure a PPP loan, um, and they've continued to change the rules and continue to kind of adapt, and I think in a good way, um, to make these loans more uh, beneficial to business owners and hopefully so that they're forgiven if they're using, yeah, using the them for- Yeah, what's the date What's the date that you have to spend the money? It keeps getting pushed out. Yeah, right? it was pushed out. It was, first it was eight weeks and then it was uh, 12 and I think 24. I don't know, quote me on that. Uh, but generally speaking, I mean- if a business received the loan and they could retain employees, I mean, that was the whole point of it. Uh, and it was, you know, 75% of the money received was used for uh, payment of, of salaries and, and wages and I think insurance. Uh, and then 25% for things like rent, uh, then it would be forgiven. I mean, what that looks like once we get to that point where you start asking for the forgiveness, I think there'll be a whole other host of problems. So talk about your beard. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I had a beard like okay. that. Well, this I is how it started. It was a competition, and it I, was I, a I won. You won, <laughs> and yours is much better than mine. But mine, I just it just drove me crazy after three months. I just couldn't do it anymore. So this was 100% born out of laziness, meaning – Waking up and shaving and then going and sitting in my home office seemed really <laughs> silly. So yeah, I, I think and then and then I think I sent you a picture. Or I saw a picture yeah. of you with a beard, and I said, "Okay, game on." And it just hasn't stopped. Well, the one the, the <laughs> one piece of advice that you gave me is because I really wanted to oh, get yeah. the handlebar yeah, yeah, yeah. mustache. You said yeah. you cannot cut underneath here. You have to let it all yeah. grow, and so. Over time, you can't even eat sandwiches because well, the, whole, yeah. the whole mustache goes in with the sandwich, and then you bite it, and it hurts. Yeah. And so maybe uh, maybe that's, maybe you just said that. You knew I'd give up. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was not the case. It's the truth. It's, uh, and, and I don't know how I know this, but I looked it up sometime <laughs> in my life as to how to grow a mustache <laughs> that you could twist up like this. Uh and I don't know. Now it's gotten to the point. Frankly, I thought my wife would say it's time to shave that yeah. thing off. She hadn't said that yet. Well, looks good. Thanks. Well, thanks for showing up today. It was yeah, a lot man. of fun. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Yeah, anytime. All right. Yeah. It's a wrap. All right. All right.